Welcome, everybody, to the Contact Trio podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, the makers of SmartBidNet, Smart Insight, Smart Compliance, and Smart Reality. I'm your host, James Benham, at James M. Benham, and I'm joined by the construction app guru, Rob McKinney, at ConAppGuru, and resident BIM expert, Josh Bone, at BIM to the Bone. The Contact Trio show is dedicated to reviewing new apps, hardware, and enterprise software for the construction industry that can improve workflows and transform companies. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2016, and this week's show topic, interviews from Built World's CEO Tech Forum. Also joined us today, Graham Leslie from JBK Labs. More in just a second. Howdy, everybody. Rob, how's it going? Joining us from the road. That is indeed. I'm at a lovely truck stop in northern Georgia looking at the green grass and the green trees. Yeah, hopefully they're not affecting your green allergies. <laughs> I'm like the bubble boy. I'm inside the car. I'm circulating the air only inside my vehicle. I'm not taking fresh air from the outside. <laughs> Good. Fresh air is the enemy for allergy sufferers. Uh, <laughs> this time of the year. That's right. That's right. Definitely, definitely uh, a hard on, on people. Uh, Josh, uh, joining us from from Atlanta. How's it going over there? Going great, going good. Yeah, it's been uh, a very busy week this week. It's it's been a lot to keep up with. It everything's going on, and you guys have been keeping me busy, and uh, you guys have been busy yourselves. So, yeah, it's been a uh, been a pretty busy week for us. Uh, we were at the uh, you know Built World's uh, CEO Tech Forum today. We're actually going to play a bunch of interviews we recorded while we were there. So, uh, really exciting week uh, over in Chicago and. Uh, uh, super excited to be, to have been able to go to that and be able to speak at it. So Rob and I both got to present, had a great time. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, also here with us, uh, Graham Leslie from JBK Labs. Graham, how you doing? Howdy, guys. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you as always. And we'll get back to you in just a minute with news, so you can tell us about uh, the super nerdy news in the space. That's what we always count on you for, uh, and me, I guess. <laughs> so always, uh, always have a but. But first, let's uh, let's uh, as usual hit the news. All kinds of stuff going on every week in the construction uh, technology space and the built environment tech space. Uh, I have a few news uh, news stories, but first, I really want to talk about the Built Worlds event. If you haven't uh, been reading Built Worlds, it's at builtworlds.com. Of course, uh, the Twitter's at Built Worlds. It's a, a fantastic media company that's really been covering the built environment for a while. I've been really impressed with uh, certainly their publication, but also their events. Uh, this was their very first uh, CEO tech forum. And uh, it, was, it was great. I mean, we had a, a, some fantastic speakers lined up, about 20 fantastic speakers. Uh, two incredible evenings. I mean, last night I got to hear one of my personal technology heroes, Peter Diamandis, talk about disruption and change. Of course, he's the, the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, also Singularity U, and a bunch of other businesses. Uh, knows, uh, knows Kurzweil, knows a bunch of these guys. I mean, he knows, he, well, he knows a, a lot more than that. Uh, very well-connected guy in the innovation tech uh, business and uh, he gave an absolutely fantastic speech uh, last night. Uh, Stacy Scapano, our most recent guest, uh, was also there. gave a, a pretty good speech, uh, pretty awesome speech actually. Uh, two nights ago, 
uh, really enjoyed uh, hearing Stacy speak, and of course we had a great show with him, and he he did a fantastic job on on his speech, and then uh, just a, a whole bunch of other uh, really great networking with people, uh, people in the built environment, construction CEOs, architects, technologists. So it was a really good mix. It was held at the uh, Chicago Athletic uh, Association, uh, which is really now a hotel and event place, and and so really unique venue. Uh, right there in Chicago, so I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, they've announced that next year this uh, particular gathering will be called Summit 2017, and Summit will be for more than just CEOs. It'll be for uh, decision makers, VDC directors, uh, technologists, CTOs, CEOs, CFOs. So they're they're expanding the audience a little bit, and uh, I'll say I, I can't wait to uh, to hear about when it's going to be. Um, when they're announced the lineup and, and uh, hopefully attend uh, next year. Also in, in the news, and, and this wasn't necessarily this week, but it definitely got a little more publicity this week. Microsoft releases CaptionBot that's at CaptionBot.ai. Uh, automatically captions photos. Pretty cool technology. Um, it's going to be really useful. We, we've talked about SmartVid.io. We've talked about Google Images. We've talked about machine learning being able to automatically to tell what's in pictures, and and this is really important. You know, we in the in the built environment we capture a lot of unstructured data, largely in the form of photos, videos, freeform text, and so we need anything we can that can help us interpret what all of this unstructured data means. What do all the pictures mean? Uh, most construction companies I, I talk to, architecture firms, uh, engineering firms, they take photos, they go into a, a photo folder in the project folder, and, and they never get looked at again. And so you're, you're collecting terabytes of data that could be used to make better decisions, alert you if there's things going on. So if you get a chance, just go to captionbot.ai, uh, take a picture, upload it, make sure it's nothing sensitive or confidential, but just take a picture, upload it, and it'll actually automatically caption it for you, which is really, really cool. Um, this week, I also got to see a 3D print from Branch.Technology. That's their website, Branch.Technology, their cellular printing. Very, very cool. Got to actually pick up the print and put my hands on it. And I'll tell you, it's uh, fascinating technology, and, and they give a, f- a really stellar presentation. Again, the, the voting did close. We talked about that last week. So make sure you go to Branch.Technology. Um, also in construction tech news, Paperlight by Rollout is almost sold out on Kickstarter. So make sure you go. Uh, and and check out the Paperlight by by Rollout. Uh, their their Kickstarter campaign is uh, just about done. Uh, you can go to rolloutaec.com and check that out. Um, two broader points of news. I I like everybody else was super sad to see that uh, Prince passed away, and so I I went yesterday and actually went on YouTube and found a bunch of performances that he did and. I'd say if you're going to go watch one, go go watch the Super Bowl performance from last year where he sang Purple Rain in a, in a giant rainstorm at the Super Bowl halftime show. And if you're a Prince fan, just uh, go on YouTube and enjoy, enjoy it. It really sucks that we're losing some of our best musicians. Uh, you know, it was a huge blow uh, to me as a Texan to lose you know, Merle Haggard. That, uh, that was just awful. And, uh, to, you know, Prince was an incredible, incredible musician as well. Um, and uh, in pop tech construction heavy equipment news, uh, this video went viral this week. In China, a battle between front-end loaders. I mean, this thing was incredible. I mean, Josh, what did you think when you saw this? I I saw the caption 
and I thought this is going to be fun to watch and, and pretty exciting. And and it even I would say that it took a step further. It, it exceeded my expectations even from the title. <laughs> so mean... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, no holding back. Uh, these Chinese construction companies are fighting over projects, and they they literally full out take front end loaders and crash into one another. It's, Wait till they get insane. exoskeletons, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be serious after that. Uh, then I watched this video right after I watched another video. Uh, I watched another video of a um, – it was a front loader that was exiting a job site, and there were a couple cars parked in front of the, the job site entrance exit. And so instead of waiting for the tow truck to get there, he actually smashed and flattened one of them and then flipped it on the uh, on the second car and then scooped him up and moved him out of the way. I was like, oh, my gosh. These guys in China aren't messing around. I mean, they, no. they, they, they really aren't uh, messing around at all. And our, you know, it's, uh, our, our studio audience just thinks that's, that's pretty impressive, uh, impressive stuff. Definitely so, one you got to watch with your nightcap tonight before you go to bed. You, you, you got to just go out. Just go on. It'll be in our show notes in a few days. But just go out and look for uh, Chinese front-end loader battle. You, you'll find it. Trust me. You'll find it quickly. Uh, so that's all the news I have. Rob, what you got going on over there? From the road. From the road. Interesting thing I saw from Zabrella, our friends up in New York, uh, Tech that turns any whiteboard into a smart board. So this company is called Captivo. And from reading through and looking at it, I'm guessing what this really looks like is there's a piece of hardware that is a projector mounted at the bottom of the traditional whiteboard that's got the camera showing you what is being written on that. Then it transfers to a mobile app so someone else can see it. Now, the moving parts, I'm still trying to comprehend uh, can it be interactive? Is it two-way? But you're basically now broadcasting a traditional static board. People can see it. How collaborative can this be? You know, so this was based in uh, education where, you know, in schools and higher learning, they're trying to use this. But, hey, Josh, how many trailers have you been in construction with whiteboards everywhere? You how know, could we use this on a job site? Rob, there's school systems across the country right now going, ooh, just waited a little bit longer before I invested all that money. Smartboard's got a great product, but the yeah. price on these things, U-Pointer's been out there for some time that, that that's a similar type technology, but you're talking about a 30th of the cost in these in these devices too. So got, it makes a lot of sense. Guys, I should point out that for free, if you uh, are – uh, user of, of our good friends over at Citrix product GoToMeeting and the GoToMeeting Labs product. If you use the Windows version and you enable the lab project, it can you can just point your webcam at a whiteboard uh, and it will automatically remove everything except the writing on the board. And so it'll hmm. remo- it'll remove the people in front of the whiteboard. It'll remove the background around it, and it just shows it does exactly the same thing of what you're talking about, Rob, except it's completely wow. completely free. You can use it right now with no new hardware, uh, just enabling the lab project on GoToMeeting. Gosh, free, which you can free, access anything, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, cool. it's, it's, no, it's not. I mean, you have to be a paid user of GoToMeeting, but... Uh, it's just it's a free it's a free lab project if you already use GoToMeeting. Many of our customers already do and listeners out there. Uh, we'll try That's that it. out. We'll try that out. 
All right. Second thing, we heard some interesting news definitely coming out of Built Worlds this week when we were there. So Procore is launching a new index for industry vital signs. And I'll read you the quote that I'm looking at from the article. As of today, there's a bold new index in town. It's the Procore Health Indicator, the PCHI. That's an interesting acronym, which the company says will provide daily measures and insights on national and regional factors driving economic movement in the industry. So, huh, what do you think uh, ENR and Dodge Data and even the Bureau of Labor Statistics will think about a privately generated source of data metrics? That's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, there's a, there's obviously a lot of private companies that generate uh, metrics. This uh, it makes sense for them to do this. Uh, they have a lot of project data, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see that they're looking beyond. Uh, what they're doing, I just want to make sure that uh, obviously they're they're only reporting metadata. They're not they're not really reporting it specifically identifiable information on the projects. And so as long right. as they as long as they maintain the privacy of their customers' data and they respect their data ownership, then I'm I'm good with it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, James. The next topic that I had for this week be right in your wheelhouse. NASA successfully test a drone traffic control system. This was an article I found over on Digital Trends. It's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see. You know, we're talking so much about what drones can currently do now, but how will they be managed in the future? So if NASA can figure this out and you have a UAS, UAV traffic control system to know who's flying around, it's going to put a lot of order into what could be potentially a chaotic situation, I think. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly something we've been talking about a lot is who, who coordinates all of these things, right? Who, who puts it all together? That's right. That's right. Uh, the next one that we had there, Josh, you had sent over a video link, another story from Zabrella. The key to shape-shifting robotics is in the Terminator. You're telling me about some kind of foil-like material that can roll up into a ball? Yeah. It's like aluminum foil kind of meets uh, steel wool. And this product rolls it's kind of it's shaped in a ball and then it turns into a block. You can set another block of the same type of material on top of it and then it welds itself together automatically you know it's it's just crazy to think about where all this can go but uh yeah it's one that you got to look at in one of those movies you got to see just like the front end loaders pretty cool stuff absolutely absolutely oh one thing. I'll leave everybody with a shameless plug. Everyone knows that you've seen me speak. I love to jump the shark. So I was on a panel discussion at the Built Worlds event. One of our team members was unfortunately a little under the weather and couldn't physically be there. And so Comment Bureau saved day and figured out to have Mr. John Goki from Stratusview. We had his talking head on our iPad Pro in the chair. And uh, he was definitely holding court from afar, James. It was, uh, it it was, was fun awesome. to pull that one off. It was awesome. <laughs> we, we, we did uh, – I think a first for Built Worlds. One of the one of the panelists uh, attended through uh, <laughs> through FaceTime, and in a, uh, sitting in a chair. Yeah, with sit, a sitting in a chair with chair. a microphone in front of him, and it actually, <laughs> believe it or not, it actually worked, and we had a substantial panel discussion. So that was that was that was really cool. So, uh, John Goki, if you're listening from Stratusview, we uh, we loved having you attend virtually on the panel. It was awesome, Josh. Uh, Josh, what you got going on? Josh, what do you got this week, buddy? Uh, a lot going on in in the news this week. It it was really hard to consolidate it down uh, this week to uh, figure out where I want to go. So started off with a couple of things with BIM Forum in Minneapolis was this week, 
And I believe everyone got out of there about the same day that the uh, the Prince, uh, everything went down with Prince, and we were made aware of what what happened there. So, uh, but in at the BIM Forum, one of the cool things coming out of it, and a lot of this hit Twitter land, was Benjamin Crosby took Graham's baby and smart reality and put together a set of plans, put together some documentation to build this Lego model and left out some parts and pieces, much like what happens in the real world. So people had to go into smart reality and find the, these and see it in 3D and use the 3D model to actually put everything together. So got a lot of great response out of that. He's going to be rolling this out again for for everyone at CMAA in Austin in a couple of weeks. So if you get a chance and you're in the Austin area, go out and see Benjamin and uh, Smart Reality and this cool Lego project that's put together. Graham, what'd you uh, what'd you think of that one? You know, it was great to see it in action. That's the exact use case for that product is to be able to take your BIM model, whether you're out in the field or in the office, and be able to see the details and, and not miss anything. And it was great to see it used just like that and demonstrated. So really fun to do that project. We enjoyed the heck out of it. Good, good. That's uh, you know, it, it. We we keep talking about real case scenario, you know, real world examples of virtual reality, augmented reality, BIM, and how's it's helping. So that's on a small scale, but but it's a good start. So and staying with trade shows this year, there's going to be something really cool at the Con Expo uh, coming up in Vegas, March seventh uh, through eleventh. There's going to be an entirely printed excavator at the show i'm in full size this is the uh the largest scale use of steel printing uh, which is an additive manufacturing process you know just layer by layer building steel like we see them doing with the uh the bridge uh really i i can't wait to see this they're partnering with uh, georgia tech and the university of minnesota uh, to work out all the hydraulics so it's a little bit lighter there's always got to be somebody from georgia involved Uh, that's right we can't have a show where someone from Georgia's not involved, so I had to sneak that one in. You guys are just about as bad as Texans. <laughs> so, uh, and then coming out of that, staying with 3D printing, Siemens, I saw this on BuiltR.io uh, this week, is Siemens has created this new, it, it's in early stages, but it's a swarm of, of spider-like robots that can build large, intricate structures and where this one is very different is Siemens has incorporated onboard cameras and laser scanning. So these are mo- mobile 3D printers that can actually make sense of the world around them. So they can interact and work off a plan. And uh, it, it's uh, just – this has re- really caught my attention and looks to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see Siemens. A lot of smart people there. Where is it going to go next? So Very cool. Yeah. And now one that, that, that I am really excited about seeing and also saw this on builtr.io is HTC, HTC and Dassault Systems have created a strategic partnership and using HTC uh, virtual reality device and pulling that together with Dassault Systems technology. Now, if you're not familiar with Dassault, they're heavy in the manufacturing world, the product that they have that's really well-known is SolidWorks. One I tell a lot of people about is DraftSite. It's a, it's a professional-grade free CAD software. If anybody's out there, you just need to have a free CAD software to use on, on a part-time basis to open up DWGs, go to Dassault, 
uh, website, and it'll be in the show notes. You can download DraftSite for free, but they are working on applying real-world scenarios and, and, and not just theoretical at this point, real experience-driven and partnering this great device that HTC has, has created and with the products that Dassault is, is rolling out. So we're probably going to see more of that in, in the future with the other big software companies in our space and, and, and looking at who's next. Is it going to be Google partnering with someone? Is uh, there's Microsoft. I know they're doing some things with, with Trimble and other companies. So this, uh, uh, this is the first official strategic partnership. Then moving on, an article in Forbes. John Jacobs from J.E. Dunn. J.E. Dunn's partnered with Autodesk to create this. We talk about big data, and this is how big data and analytics are transforming the construction industry. J.E. Dunn's created this system for estimating that they call Lens. And in this partnership that they've done with Autodesk, they're now processing data and, and pulling big data and checking this throughout. And on one project, they it's a $60 million project. They estimate that they cut out $11 million in cost in 12 weeks in the pre-construction phase. So uh, not a lot has gone into this yet, but we talk about the value of big data, James, and we unstructured data. They're starting to capture that using BIM, using technology that they have in, in the partnership with Autodesk. That's awesome. A lot yeah, of money. 12 weeks and $11 million out of a $60 million project. That's huge, huge stuff. So, uh, and now moving from that, nanotechnology. We've mentioned this and we've talked about it. There's the microorganisms that are out there that can keep glass clean. You can spray it, dip it, and you'll never have to clean windows again. And I saw this circulate on LinkedIn throughout. A lot of people were sharing this. And this has been out for a little bit. I remember stumbling across it a while back. But this product called EverDry. Go to the show notes. Or if you don't go to the show notes tonight, you have to check out this video. It is phenomenal. They This nanotechnology product that you can spray, coat on your boots, your clothes. I, I foresee this going on to construction equipment they jump in the mud with their boots on, step out of the mud, nothing on the boots. They This this product allows EverDry, using nanotechnology, keeps any surface completely dry. What can it do for servicing equipment? It's going to be the Guys, end of car washes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously. What does it do? I mean, we talk about disruption in spaces. What is This is a wax you put on, and your car is going to be never get dirty again. I mean, it's... You have to see the video firsthand. It, it's uh, I, I can think about a thousand different ways that we can use this in the uh, in the in the AEC space. So really fun one to to catch up on. And still going with news, the ABI Architectural Billing Index was released on uh, just yesterday, and uh, yeah, looking at that, a lot of uh, still more growth. So now we're, we're two months in a row. Uh, finishing the quarter on, on an uptick again, and even more growth over February. And that's all good signs, big indicators for us when that architectural firms are designing. That's work in the future uh, for coming down the road for construction. So it impacts the AEC space heavily. So uh, those numbers were up from 50.3 in February up to 51.9. And uh, the South, 
performing the best, and the sector that's doing the best is multifamily. So uh, awesome. if you're in the South, multifamily should be good to go. And last note, last bit of news. I know we've got a lot this week. Revit 2017 was officially released this week. There had been some things leaking out. But a lot of this was a big upgrade. This was a, a substantial one, and I put a link in the show notes uh, to Sean David Burke, a great Revit user, puts a lot of good things out on social media. Go and, and look at uh, Sean David Burke's website of the five standout features for Autodesk 2017 text and some big things, things that you know that we cool. use day in and day out. So that's a wrap for me on the news. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Graham, what you got going on in technology news? So just two little notes for today. First, the, the FBI case with the iPhone. So the FBI paid $1.3 million to have that iPhone unlocked. And it's really funny because about a week ago, I saw someone do it on YouTube in about 10 minutes in their bedroom, uh, replicating the NAND flashing technique, which everyone postulates is how they did it. So a lot of money spent there, which is very interesting. Uh, and the other topic, back on the topic of drones, a lot of dialogue was opened last week about regulation after a British Airways flight was struck with a drone. Uh, everyone was pretty worried about that, and that was a big deal until they realized they're pretty sure it was a plastic bag, not a drone. So <laughs> a little undue anger at the drone industry there, but maybe we're doing okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Both of those uh, good. Uh, I think that the anti-drone activists will seize on anything to try and uh, try and spike the, uh, the burgeoning drone industry, but... Uh, that's hilarious. Also, uh, proof again, the government likes to overpay for literally everything they, they use. So uh, thanks for that bit of news. Uh, also from Graham, just a little spot on our augmented and virtual reality app we just talked about earlier called Smart Reality. This is Graham Leslie from JBK Labs here to tell you about Smart Reality, the ultimate mobile app for viewing your BIM models in the office and in the field. What could you do with Smart Reality? Whether you're building residential, commercial, or MEP, Using your BIM models as references will help you build faster and make less mistakes. With the Smart Reality app, just point your phone camera at your plan sheet to see your BIM model in instant augmented reality. Point your phone around you or use an inexpensive VR headset to walk through your model and see complex details up close with virtual reality. Your owners, workers, and future tenants can all see the finished building like never before. Smart Reality is as easy as securely uploading your BIM model and downloading the app to your phone or iPad. No complicated wires. Use the devices that you already have. You can search your app store for Smart Reality to get the free app today. And find us at smartreality.co to get a free quote on your project. Submit your project today and see how builders across the world are using Smart Reality to build better and faster. Awesome. Thanks for that, Graham. And I just thought I'd uh, go ahead and start playing our interviews. We, we took six uh, interviews. Corey Davis from Capital Construction Solutions. Uh, Matt Abels, uh, the co-founder of Built Worlds, who actually hosted the event. Chase McWhorter from Cedar Mac. George White from Pavia Systems. Jeremy Foster from Note Vault. And Doug Chambers, uh, CEO of Field Lens. So we, we have six great interviews coming your way. Uh, each one's about five to eight minutes. We're just going to play them in order. And I uh, really appreciate uh, everybody listening in. And we'll, we'll catch you uh, after the interviews play. James Benham here with Doug Chambers, uh, co-founder of Field Lens. And uh, again, we're at the Built Worlds uh, CEO Tech Forum, uh, having a great time. Doug, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. It's been a, been a really interesting day, lots of interesting speakers, uh, and a great, great venue as well. 
Yeah, Chicago Athletic Club, man. This is pretty, pretty uh, athletic association. Sorry, uh, neat, neat hotel, neat event venue. I think we're in a basketball court right now, and uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome place. Yeah, for those that haven't been here, there is a full bocce court with right next to the bar. There's foosball, there's pool. It's uh, it's a good way to get distracted. Yeah, uh, awesome. So uh, dangerous for tech guys, uh, for sure. Doug, where are you from? Uh, I am born and raised in uh, just outside of New York City. I uh, lived in, in New York City most of my adult life, although I actually spent a couple of years in Chicago uh, early on, so I'm familiar with this, with this city as well. Awesome. And, and where do you live right now? Uh, Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Nice. No sleep till Brooklyn. So awesome. You, you a Beastie Boys fan? Uh, of course. I'm a child of the 80s or 70s. Yes. Same here. Same here. So uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, undergrad, I went to the University of Rochester in upstate New York, and I went to grad school here in Chicago at DePaul. I got my MBA at night. Uh, awesome, good deal. So, uh, how did you end up in the construction tech space? Were you in the Were you in the construction business? Yeah. So uh, when I was here, I was working for a contractor called Clune Construction as a as a project manager. Uh, I studied mechanical engineering as an undergrad. Worked in construction for about twelve years uh, before I quit my job. Frustrated, looking to solve essentially the problem that I was dealing with every day. Awesome. So what led you to start FieldLens? You were frustrated and you found some co-founders or what, what was the story? Not quite as linear as that. I was frustrated, knew nothing about building technology, quit my job, figured I could spend some money and I'd, then I'd have this thing that I, that, that I thought of and then I'd go just sell the thing. And uh, you know, I learned, of course, uh, through that process, that's not how it works at all. Building technology is actually about building a team of technologists and, and kind of bringing in the right people, building a great organization of people that understand construction, people that understand how to build technology, and then iterating, 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 iterating. So I know that now. Um, I certainly didn't know that the day I quit my job, but it's like, like anything, it's a learning process. Good deal. So what's the status of your company now? Uh, so we're about a 40-person company. We've got, uh, oh, I don't know... Uh, 40,000 users on the platform at this point. Um, we are mainly here in the U.S. Uh, we have projects that are happening, some projects in Africa, some projects in, in Asia, a few projects in, in New Zealand, Australia, but we're mainly servicing companies here in the U.S. And I think what, uh, what I'm most proud of is the FieldLens application is being used on incredibly large, complex projects. Great. That's cool. Um, I worked on those types of projects. But I think just as importantly, or in fact more importantly, it's being used by home builders. It's being used by people that uh, actually maintain and, 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 and manage uh, campgrounds. It's being used by folks in all different kind of um, tangents of the construction industry. And it's being used effectively by small businesses. And I'm, I'm super passionate about providing this technology to small businesses. They deserve it too. So what does it do? Ah, right, right, sure. So what does it do? So FieldLens is effectively a communication platform. So it is a way for folks in the field to post whatever's happening around them. That could be a punchless walkthrough. It could be a kind of more traditional daily reporting process. But really, it's about whatever they see and experience throughout the day, they can post to FieldLens. That information is immediately available, available in the office. We drive analytics off of that information. But largely, it's to break down the barrier of communication, not only between the office and the field, but also between all the different contractors on the job site. Main features? So uh, we're an iOS and an Android app. Uh, we uh, allow you to post videos, pictures, um, of course, comments, etc. We aggregate that data, but it's not, it's not like a list. I don't have a myriad of a list of features that I care about. It's really about an experience. Again, it really is like a Facebook experience for the job site. What about plan files? Yeah, so we, yeah, of course, so we, we call it live layer in field lens. So, you know, when, when, when we take, uh, when we ingest plans into field lens, what they basically become is another conduit for communication. So people communicate on top of the drawings via their iOS, their iOS device, their Android device, or on the web. So you'll offer job site photos to be placed on plans? 
Yeah, of course, yes. And uh, what about RFIs, punch lists? So for us, it's all a post. Everything in FieldLens is a post. You're just posting information. So people use FieldLens for punch lists. They use it for RFIs. They use it for submittals. But we don't have like an RFI module or a submittal module or a punch list module. For us, it's all really just communication, right? And it's kind of what uh, what Nathan from Spectrum AAC was discussing earlier. There's a lot of constructs in our industry. The RFI process is a, is a perfect example of a construct that comes from the days of literal literal carbon copies and fax machines and contractual obligations for a 10-day period to answer a question. What is an RFI actually? It is a person has a question. They need that answer to that question. And there needs to be an audit trail for that answer such that if there's a problem later on, we can go back and look at that. So you're saying that the um, historical constructs we've had really need to be broken down and it needs to go down just to a uh, communication platform where you can ask questions and get them answered and get approvals. Uh, we need to stop calling them change orders and RFIs and punch lists? So I think it's baby steps, right? I don't think we need to stop calling them anything right now. But what we are finding is particularly, again, in, with the smaller companies out there that aren't necessarily kind of beholden to some of these large processes, they're doing exactly that. So they're using FieldLens to... to, to to solve all of those problems. And sometimes they're using features within FieldLens to what we call categorize items as RFIs or categorize items as submittals. But largely, it is the same process. It is a communication amongst a few individuals that needs to be audited, needs to be tracked, and needs to be in real time. So I guess you'd consider playing grid a competitor. Um, they've maintained the historical constructs of punch lists and RFIs, and you guys have really taken a, a different approach then uh, in having uh, more unstructured uh, communication. Um, what, what do you think your your um, key differentiators from all of your competitors are? Not not just uh, them, but uh, everybody that you're up against. I mean, where do you think you guys really shine? So, well, let me first address Plangrid because I think that they've done an incredible job of solving a really complex problem, which is people needed digital access to their documents in the, uh, in the field. They invented great technology that many of us are emulating now, and they did a hell of a job, and I'm, I'm very impressed with what they've done. Um, in terms of how we differentiate from all the different types of software companies out there, yeah, again, I think we differentiate because we, we provide a simple solution that actually solves many of the same problems without developing there's this way to do this, and this way to do this, and this way to do this, and this way to do this. But just as I set up on stage earlier, I fundamentally believe there is no one-size-fits-all solution. There is no one app that is going to rule them all. These applications need to integrate with one another. If somebody wants to do a more traditional daily report, as an example, there's great digital options out there. I believe that that to, to fundamentally impact the industry, you have to let people do what they want, and then the technology companies need to integrate our solutions such that the data flows kind of you know amongst these different solutions so that we actually do get a quote-unquote end-to-end solution. So you know Benny Baltrowski and I co-founded COSO. We've got about 25 company members now and have really pushed the concept of open APIs. Do you guys have a restful, self-documented API? Yeah, we sure do. And uh, we've got multiple customers that are actually building really cool stuff on top of it. Um, the, my, favorite, my favorite example is a company called New Story. New Story is a not-for-profit. They build uh, sustainable communities in third world countries. They basically take slums, turn them into communities. They're using FieldLens to manage that process, but they're actually using our open API to build a donor portal so that the folks that donate to New Story can actually see into what's happening on the job site. It's awesome. So do you guys have... um a, uh, a web interface and a mobile interface, or is it all mobile? 
Yeah, so we're a native iOS app, native Android app, and a full uh, web app. So full HTML5, you have, you have a push technology, are you guys on SignalR? Are you, tell me about the, the guts behind it. Are you guys in unstructured data, or how, how do you guys work on the back end? So it's a it's a Java stack on the back end, um, and I will freely admit that I'm the construction guy, right? I'm the so 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 I, I will butcher some of the technology, but that's um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so so it's a, it's a, it's a Java stack on the back end. It's a native iOS app, native Android app, and then it's actually Angular HTML5. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I've been writing software since I was about eleven. I, I always like getting in the details on the actual technology itself. Um, where, where do you guys see yourself playing with uh, with wearables? So it's interesting. So when Google Glass first came out, we got all excited. We developed a, a, Google, a Google Glass extension for our Android app, which was a nice marketing tool, you know, but it didn't really go anywhere, obviously, for a, lot, for a variety of reasons. Um, so I think, that, I think that wearables are, are an interesting way to extend technology, uh, you know, potentially, you know, obviously with, like, smartwatches to provide people kind of heads-up notifications without digging into their phone. Um, I'm more interested, honestly, in... You know, kind of the Internet of Things concept: machines, equipment, sensors communicating with people via our application. So, so botnet. I mean, the the, the the tool that Procore is using to integrate with drone systems. You see yourself pulling in uh, lots of drone data directly in the field ones. Yeah, I, I, we get it gets requested all the time. We haven't built anything yet. You know, we don't have quite the resources that Procore does. But yeah, um, you know, uh, a concept of, of a drone flying and taking that aerial photography and that posting to field lens is really cool. How about a concrete sensor that's 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 reading the temperature as the concrete cures every 15 minutes and posting an update to field lens? That's really cool too. Yeah, very neat. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, great ideas in this on this front. So what's what's next? Uh, so what's next for us? To be to be frank, is uh, we're going to unveil some 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 new interfaces in June uh, that we're really excited about. Um, we are not in the in the business of building more and more features. We are in the business of making our app simpler, easier to use for the guys in the field, and then driving in analytics off of that. So fundamentally, what I believe is if we make it dead simple for the guys in the field to give us data. We can drive insights never before possible. The more features we add, the less easy it is for those guys to do that. So we're really trying to simplify our mobile experience and then build analytics on the back end. Yeah, and, and you know, there's there's always a feature arms race between providers uh, on when you can roll out specific feature sets, and they're generally driven by customers. So uh, if if you're taking that approach, you've got to get really good at telling customers no. Uh, so, uh, I, how do you how do you deal with that? <laughs> we're in the middle of it right now. Uh, we're actually not only telling customers no; we're telling customers that we're deprecating some things. Um, they get really angry initially, but if you're honest about, hey, this is why we're deprecating this thing. I know you're using it. Here's an alternative way to get the same result that will be easier, and here's the added benefit of why we're removing it and what we're doing instead. Just be honest with your customers. Communicate with them. Just like a good job site where you actually have good open communication amongst the constituents on the job site, when we have those conversations, the customers are behind us. Yeah, you know, we, we've always struggled with that too. Every, I think every software company does is uh, do you build the features or do you keep it simple or do you try and strike a balance in between? I, I really appreciate your comments on that, Doug. Uh, any final comments? Where can people find out more information about you? So, of course, fieldlens.com. Uh, you can email me at doug at fieldlens.com. I'm happy to, to, happy to hear from anybody that wants to, to, to chat about construction or technology or, or Chicago, I suppose. Um, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Doug. I pre- really appreciate your time. Okay, so this is uh, James Benham and Rob McKinney here at the Built Worlds uh, CEO Tech Forum. I'm with Corey Davis from Capital Construction Solutions. He's uh, a New York state native, but uh, is over here in Chicago. Uh, Corey, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So um, we're just here to talk about construction tech. Why don't you tell us what project you have underway right now? Absolutely. We have a brand new feature set coming out for CCS Safety. We are a knowledge sharing platform. We just came out with the ability to have a file cabinet built in, so anything you post on your back-end website can now be available on any mobile device. A couple different ways to sign sign signatures, uh, partner between different firms, um, and now we have over 8,000 best practice questions thanks to all the help from the industry. So if you could just tell us um, what exactly CCS Safety is. What does it do? Sure. CCS Safety is a mobile application. It's available on any Android, any, any Apple, basically any phone, any tablet. And it gives you the ability to perform site uh, assessments, supervisor assessments, even to the point where you do job hazard analysis uh, as well as any reporting, over 100 different uh, canned reports. So you go to the job site and you're filling these out, and then there's analytics available in real time on the website so people in the main office can make sure that you're doing things uh, correctly and safely at all times. Cool. What made you want to go into the construction software business? I've been involved in construction about 25 years in various aspects of technology, uh, and I see a need for various friction points. And uh, over the many different industries I've worked in, we realized that safety was the biggest one. That's why the safety's first. Awesome. So uh, what's it like here in Chicago and the, uh, the tech venture scene? What's, what, you're, you're hopping between three different conferences a day. One's Venture Summit. So, I mean, uh, what's the scene like here in Chicago? It's hot. Uh, I used to live in San Francisco, which was also a pretty big uh, hotbed for incubation. But we belong to 1871, a technology incubator here downtown. And we just left the Chicago Venture Summit uh, at Google, and you really couldn't even get into the room. It was so busy. Uh, A lot of big venture capital firms there all kind of clamoring at the bit, trying to talk to different uh, exciting entrepreneurs. So do you think that Chicago could rival Silicon Valley one day? I think we're a little bit off from there. I think that it's more about cash flow analysis rather than having the moonshots. I think that the ability to have these sky-high valuations might take a little longer in Chicago, but here it's really more driven on whether or not you're profitable and how quickly you can get there. So the good old Midwest uh, common sense is uh, is bringing that kind of mentality to technology. So you actually want to build companies that are sustainable financially. Uh, we certainly are, that's for sure. Uh, we want to have a moonshot. Uh, most of our venture capital firms want us to make money. That's more important to them. So you think that's a, a major difference with uh, Chicago in general? Absolutely. I think it is. I think there's a few moonshots out there, but for the most part, most of the venture capital firms are a little more grounded. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. So what's, uh, what's next for you? You just talked about some features, but... Uh, What's next on your plate? Sure, yeah. We're building out 17 more mobile apps, uh, again, all based on the knowledge-sharing platform. So we're building out something for architecture, uh, community outreach, uh, how you do closeout, warranty, startup. Uh, These are all different points in construction that typically has not happened very well. So we're categorizing them uh, by mobile app, and then we have a knowledge content now of about 35,000 pieces of uh, best practices for each one of these, and we're going to have the same sort of analytic background to make sure that everything's really dialed in on the job site. So who's your ideal customer? A construction company, an architect, engineer, all three? Well, in construction, there's about 16 different target markets we determined from safety. It's primarily a contractor from uh, architecture, CCS architecture. It'll be architects. Uh, but overall, arching on this will be basically government agencies and owners. Uh, they have a problem now where they can't really determine whether or not all their consultants that they're hiring are meeting best practices. So we're going to give them the visibility into uh, common practices and what should be done and what shouldn't be done so they can see in real time how their projects are doing. Cool. And uh, what do you think your key differentiators are uh, that make you different than all the other safety apps in the market? 
Oh, I think there's going to be really two things. Uh, the first one is price. Uh, we're based on a model where we want more people involved in safety. So $99 per user per year uh, has resonated really well with the industry. Uh, the other thing that really differentiates us is the knowledge sharing platform. So by having just pure OSHA regurgitation citations is one way to look at it. But all these people sharing with us now, these 120 plus companies giving us their best practices is really above and beyond our expectations at the beginning. Awesome. Rob, anything to add or what? Very good stuff. Thank you for the time. We look forward to seeing where your platform goes. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. Yeah. And uh, where can people go to find out more information on your product? CCS.network. CCS.network. Awesome. Thank you, Corey. So this is uh, James Benham here with Matt Abels, co-founder of Built Worlds. Again, we're at the Built Worlds uh, Tech CEO uh, Forum here in, in Chicago. We're at the Chicago Athletic uh, Club, really an awesome hotel, uh, great venue, uh, had a great time, great attendance. Um, Matt, what was the whole idea behind doing this? I mean, why did you guys venture into a, a, a CEO Tech Forum? The idea was to, I mean, our goal from day one has been to really raise awareness in this industry about what's the net, what's going to happen next in this industry as it relates to technology and innovation. And to do that, we thought the best thing to do was get all of our all-stars together, bring in who are the CEOs that are going to, I mean, more or less have the have the clout to change the industry and the CEOs of the tech companies who are disrupting the industry on a daily basis. Getting these guys together to work together to collaborate to make this industry a better, more efficient place, that's our goal. And getting these guys together in one place is what we're trying to do and hopefully accomplish here. And I noticed in the in the brochure that you actually are marketing a, a you're calling it Summit now in 2017. Yep. Can you tell us what that's about? I mean, you, it's, a, it's a brand change from, from this year. What, what is Summit? Because we realize that while we have all the CEOs here, that it does warrant more than the CEOs. It warrants the virtual design managers and the chief technology officers, the guys who are making decisions on these technologies to be a part of this event. So to just, you know, to square it off to just the guys who are CEOs is great. But if we're going to implement change to the right people, we've got to open it up a little broader and get the right people here. So the summit was just a way of broadening that scope. Is it still going to have a, a construction technology focus or is it going to be about broader process change? It, it will still be, um, I think it still will be in the AEC and real estate industries. Um, it does have a big focus on construction. We were 34% construction attendees here this trip, but I think next year we'll probably be a little more widespread into the built industries, but I think those four, AEC and real estate. Awesome. And, and a good bit of t- discussion on technology and process improvement next year? Oh, yeah. I mean, right now the, the number one comment back is, okay, so now I've got information coming at me a million miles an hour what am i supposed to do with this all and the the reality is we want everyone to get a taste of what's out there and what they do with that information well you know our job is to make them aware them implementing change you know that that's really something that they have to do but the first step is coming here and listening to what everyone's doing to change the industry so for all our listeners, I mean, I've always described, and we've talked about Built Worlds before as a data aggregator. You guys, you guys aggregate information, you filter it out, you, you do some great uh, curation of content, uh, video, audio, text. Um, I mean, what's, what's next for Built Worlds? I mean, you guys have done uh, so much in such a short period of time, and uh, I, I refer to you as the, you know, the next major uh, media company in, in the AEC space, and it, it excites me because you guys get it on the, the method, but the, you've done really cool things like Built Worlds University, and you're doing road trips, and you, we did a great demo night down in Texas. You're doing other demo nights. You have 3D printer uh, discussions, I mean, you, and you guys have a new facility. Uh, what's, what's next on the horizon? 
Uh, two big things on the horizon. Number one, the, like you mentioned, the CEO summit. We're going to start planning that Monday. Uh, we started seven months for this one, and it took a lot of time. We're starting Monday for next year. And number two, we're going to be launching this evening. We're doing now shows. Our videos are now going to be actual television shows that are going to include the topics of all hands on tech. You know, where's the venture money going? But there, and there's about 10 different topics, but we're going to actually in, bring in the video into real live shows. That includes live streaming shows, live demo shows, unboxing of new technologies, but it's going to be new shows that are coming out where it's not just written text and written content and you know, videos a little all over the place. We're going to be more or less making a channel, but very live with scheduled programming every day of the year. That was my question. I mean, are you going to have a channel? I mean, you you know, the the beautiful thing with things like Pluto TV, you can go into um, Amazon Fire and you can actually have channels in Fire. You can have uh, TV channels. There are a lot of new digital-only mediums that can stream through Apple TV, uh, through Roku. So are you guys going to take this as far as having a Built Worlds channel that's going to be in Roku and in Apple TV and these other places? In progress right now, we're getting uh, we're getting the shows and the right people on those shows in place. But yes, as far as our plan, our plans in the future, we'll be there. And that's super exciting. I know that the industry has been waiting for it. Thanks for your time today, Matt. I know you're really busy. I appreciate you talking to us. Ah, thank you very much. And the talk you had today on you know data and, te- data and technology for construction CEOs. I mean, I got to tell you, the response I got was amazing, and this was a huge value to this audience because I don't think they really talk about that topic enough. So to have that conversation was just beyond important. Uh, thanks. You know, Security is um, something no one likes discussing, but when you talk about it, you realize that you have to talk about it. So it's uh, that's why we talked about it. Appreciate you guys having us here. Thanks again, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. So again, James Benham here at the Built World CEO Tech Forum with Jeremy Foster from NoteVault. Um, Jeremy, how's it going? Fantastic, mate. Great to be here. Yeah, Awesome. Uh, had a good discussion with you last night. I really wanted to talk about one of your stories. Uh, first, just tell our listeners, um, what does NoteVault do in, in a couple sentences? So we're a field reporting solution, and, uh, and I think um, you know, what we do is we take people's voice, we make it really easy for them to use smartphones and devices, and, and they speak their reports. So we're very much a voice-driven uh, application. You can take photos and all the usual stuff you expect, geotag, turn it into text, and then create actionable reports which get delivered daily or at, at HELC. So it's, it's all about uh, making it easy for people to capture information from the field so you can make better decisions in the office. Yeah, and so you're capturing the... A lot of unstructured data, but including voice. And, and you know, people power NoteVault as well as technology, right? So you actually have actual uh, translators that will go in and uh, log and transcribe and translate the, uh, the the conversation, correct? Yeah, exactly. And uh, the reason why we do that is that, um, you know, construction is a complex game, and, and but you've got to make it really easy for people on the ground. And uh, we use uh, professional transcribers so we can trap things like acronyms and place names and terminology and, and just deliver a really high-quality result. Um, and that just means that we get a lot more data out of, out of the field where uh, we just make it easy on the ground, and, and that's really the key proposition. Awesome. Um, really exciting technology, and, and, and certainly um, I think one thing our, our listeners probably don't think about, though, is uh, why voice is better than just typing out your report. And, and you had a fascinating story last night that I'd love for you to relate to our listeners right now. Yeah, so this was, um, uh, we, we had a project in the Middle East and uh, it was an oil and gas line um, on the east coast of the uh, United Arab Emirates Peninsula. Uh, for any of you who happen to travel over to Dubai and you feel like a bit of a drive, you can head over there. It's a lovely, a lovely view. Um, anyway, this, uh, this gas pipeline, the um, 
client who was uh, commissioning that was turning up giving lots of kind of sporadic instructions here and there and, and, and hasn't really thought through what he was doing. And of course, the people who are actually building those pipelines are from the subcontinent. And so it's their natural reaction just to say yes, um, even if they know it's going to create a delay. And if when it does, they just take the, take the blame. And uh, so what we did was, is we put a smartphone in the hand of um, uh, this uh, supervisor who's, you know, he's been rolling out pipelines for 20 years, but he's never really been exposed to technology. And, and what immediately happened when the next time their client turned up, he said, uh, you know, Mr. Abdullah has um, given me an instruction and, uh, and I've decided to um, stop what I'm doing based on that instruction and do something else. And I've informed him that there could be a delay and he said he's okay with that. And by recording that in front of the customer, um, what that immediately did was what we expected was to drive the transparency up that suddenly, you know, the guy turning up on the job site needs to recognise that he needs to think through what instructions he's giving. There's an implication. Um, and so that was what we expected to happen. What we didn't expect to happen was that this guy on the ground, who's now got a phone in his hand, starts to see things and talk about what's going on. And uh, there was another subcontractor who uh, uh, suddenly, this Indian guy is saying, you know, the next door subcontractor is driving his equipment closer than the three metre boundary to our foundations. Um, in two weeks' time, we're going to be putting a leak test through, which is going to, our welds are being undermined. And uh, um, so we need to notify that subcontractor in order to move because, of course, having a subcontractor-subcontract interaction, that just wouldn't work. He couldn't do that himself. And, and so what we realised is that suddenly there's a level of expertise that we're able to unlock a perspective that you know, anyone who's doing their job um, over and over again becomes an expert at that job, whether they be a foundation guy or a, a welder or a drywaller, and, and they instantly turn up to a job and they can see things that none of us can see if we're not experts in that. So if we had a way to, to really empower that person to say, look, I've just turned up on the job and I can see X, Y, Z is, is going to create a problem for me, if we could easily give them a voice, what might we learn from them? And that was really the epiphany that, for me, got me excited about the, the whole concept of Notevold and being voice-driven and, and, and why it's really good for people on the ground because it enables them to be very descriptive. And, of course, when this guy is talking about all these issues that he's seeing, he's speaking Hindi, um, we're using professional transcribers to turn that into English, which is now creating keyword notifications to escalate to general management going up to the CEO's office. So the ability for the CEO to recognise a potential delay, a risk, a hazard on his pipeline, which is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars a day to him, that otherwise he was blind to, it was a burden that he'd been carrying otherwise, you know, that's just huge, huge value. So people say more verbally than they'll type. Yeah, so if you've ever been to a PowerPoint presentation and, uh, and, and someone reads the bullets, I'm sure all of your listeners have been frustrated by such, a, uh, such an experience. And the reason why is that we speak at around 150 words a minute, but we read at 300 words a minute. Um, but we write at around 30 words a minute. And if you had to do that twice, because you're typing after you're writing, you have an effective throughput of 15 words a minute. So you basically get 10 times more um, production of, of digital information um, by virtue of people speaking, and then you get a twice improvement in consumption if you're reading instead of listening. And, and I think that's really um, a disruption that we're starting to see in the industry, and it takes a, w- a while for people to get used to it, but what it means is that if you've got 10 people that you're trying to connect to, rather than meeting them one by one after the other, you can basically digest an enormous amount of information by having them speaking and you reading. 
So it means that transcription is something that everybody needs to consider because they're going to collect a lot more actionable information. And by the keyword alerts, you mean that you actually uh, set alerts that look for specific keywords to be mentioned and then alert people based on um, safety or words that um, trigger action items like delay. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, all of our customers choose their own glossary. Uh, um, and, you know, to your point on safety, we've got um, one customer who's, you know, got tens of projects around. Um, he's a safety guy. He injects. If anyone says the word hazard or unsafe anywhere, he instantly gets notified. So we've got 100-plus people who don't even know who the head of safety is. Um, they don't know they have to ring or, or escalate an issue. But he gets that escalation within a minute of them saying that word. So the time that you can collapse down in solving a problem basically dramatically improves you know, the cost effectiveness and, and, of course, the impact on the project. Awesome. I think, I think what even I missed and what so many people miss in looking at how we log activity on a project is this fundamental premise that uh, it's much more efficient to speak and it's much more efficient to read. And uh, I think you really nailed it. That, uh, that dramatically drives up the efficiency of uh, data generation and data consumption uh, by allowing them to speak, allowing others to read, allowing for translation if someone speaks Hindi and the project manager speaks English, and then obviously keyword action items. It's, uh, folks, it is way more than an app that records audio. Uh, it is, it is a, uh, a significant leap forward in recording job set activity. So what's next for NoteVault? Yeah, great question. You know, I think um, one of the trends that we start to see is that uh, um, there's lots of great solutions out there and, uh, you know, I think partnering up with uh, um, lots of different players because at the end of the day, uh, we have to, the purpose of what we're doing is to solve customer problems and we have to recognise that we are only tools that they simply pull into their toolbox in order to do the great job that they already do for their customers. And so, you know, what we need to do as an industry, what we need to do as technology providers is make it as easy as possible to be able to integrate with each other so we can share information. Um, And that way, when a customer turns up and says, look, here's the way I run my business, Um, I'd like to be able to deliver outcomes to my customers in a better way, then they can easily pick and choose and create a a solution which is customised for them so that what's great about them doesn't change. That what's great about the customer success that they drive doesn't change. We just simply enable and help drive that. I think that's, that's what I see happening. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much again. This is James Benham with Jeremy Foster from NoteVault. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. So again, uh, James Benham here with Chase McWhorter from Cedar uh, Mac. Is that how you say it? Cedar Mac, yes. Yeah, Cedar Mac. So it reminds me of mac and cheese, which <laughs> makes me really excited. I, I love mac that's, and cheese. Really I mean, I, I know. I mean, just thinking about mac and cheese, McWhorter, I'm sure, right? So, so Chase, uh, why don't you tell uh, all of our listeners uh, what you guys do at Cedar Mac? Uh, we are a 3D laser scanning service provider. So we don't develop or sell 3D laser scanning equipment. We strictly use it. We like to think of ourselves as uh, like a golfer. We don't create the clubs or anything. We just use them. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, there's a huge market for this. I mean, we've been talking in, in our consulting practice. We talk to a lot of customers who uh, you know, are, are trying robotic total stations. They're trying out 3D scanners. They're, they're going through this process of realizing that machines can do a lot of the calculations humans have done, right? So um, how did you get into this? I mean, what did you do before this, and, and how did you get into the 3D scanning business? Well, my background is actually on the real estate finance side and investment banking. Uh, So I started in real estate finance. My family background is real estate development, asset management. So the other side of this, the 3D scanning, actually was still family. It was my uncle that started doing this 10 years ago. 
he was working at ConocoPhillips, and a Leica rep came there with a new piece of equipment to scan oil tankers. So that's how he fell into it. He had a general contracting background. So he approached me when I was doing investment banking just to take a look at the business, just to see if there was potential because he had just operated as a sole proprietor. So this was last year, and I basically picked up everything I was living in L.A. at the time and moved out to Phoenix to actually really grow this into a big business because I evaluate a lot of businesses, and I saw a huge potential with this because of the need, like we're here at Built Worlds, to create a smarter built environment. And my background in real estate led me to believe that scanning, 3D scanning, can now be moved because we talk about information being siloed with engineers, architects, whoever pays for scanning wants the data for themselves. So my real estate background leads me to believe that it should be more in the hands of the asset managers, the investors, the owners, and then the, all the data that can be shared with the AEC teams. Yeah, so a really owner-led technology effort. That's, that's what we're going towards. I mean, we still work with contractors, architects, engineers, because there is a learning curve. I mean, that's one of our biggest things is having to educate, which is why we're happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, teach people how, how what's actually even possible. It's a, I'm amazed how many companies in the AEC space really don't even understand or really accept or believe um, the quality of results that, that 3D scanners can produce. You yeah. know, they, they just don't believe it. They'd rather have their, they know their tape measure, they know their, their little laser measure, they, exactly. they, know, they know that, and it, and it takes three times as, ten times as long to, to yeah. actually dimension the space with it, but... Uh, I'm sure a lot of this is just educating people. So are you, are you from L.A. or where are you actually from? Uh, I actually was born in California, actually moved here to Chicago when I was 10, Connecticut. But home was from high school. Growing up was Southern California, so Orange County and L.A. Uh, I went to USC, so L.A. is definitely... Go Trojans. Yeah, yeah they haven't, haven't really recovered from Pete Carroll uh, leaving, have they? Well, I actually played for Pete Carroll. Really awesome. I mean, I, what an amazing coach, right? So it was fortunate that when I was gone, that's when it went downhill. So <laughs> After he left, he went to the Seahawks. Well, and the, uh, 2010 to 2015 players hear that. <laughs> but we had a great time. <laughs> you, you, you absolutely did. I, I was born and raised near LSU, and they, they didn't appreciate uh, trying to share the title. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was a fun year. It <laughs> was challenging. What position did you play for USC? Uh, I was a safety. Awesome, man. That's a good position, man. I freaking I got go and clean up everybody's mess, right? That's that's, what, that's so so. First off, don't look me up and think that I was some starter. I was a walk on, so yes. Doesn't matter. You still you still you still played. You still played. It's all good. So let's let's fast forward to today. Um, where, where are you guys headquartered, and where do you service? Uh, we're headquartered in Phoenix. Um, primarily, we're working the Southwest, so Colorado down to Texas, California. And we do, I mean, we do a lot of projects in New York, but for the most part, we're concentrating where we can be within a half a day. So we'll still do some jobs in New York and other areas, but right now we're concentrating on the Southwest. So all Leica? All Leica. That's what we like. Yeah, so the, the latest $110,000 Leica you brought here, that has one millimeter accuracy. What's the range on that? Uh, 270 meters. Holy cow. I mean, that's an incredible range. I mean, that means you can walk into uh, arguably uh, scan an entire stadium. Yeah. Actually, we're in the bidding process of trying to get on some stadiums. So 
that's an that's an incredible project, right? One millimeter accuracy in a football stadium that'd yeah. be well, that'd be that awesome. Distance, I think it goes down to two millimeters. Oh no, two millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I think I think I think it'll be I think it'll be fine. So so what's next for you? I mean, you're you're in the contract scanning business. You roll out. You go to a site. You, you produce the scan. You clean it up. You hand it off to the client, right? I mean, uh, what's the next services or, or products you guys are looking at uh, bringing out? Well. Part of what we're doing is, ideally, we would like to just deliver the point cloud, the processed, clean point cloud data. But right now, a lot of people in the AEC world don't necessarily know how to take point cloud data. So there is an aspect of education, which we do when we're working with people. So, example, we're working with an engineer right now. They're doing a lot of seismic stuff. And part of what we're going to incorporate with it is we'll have one of our guys go out and provide some training for maybe just two days. Just give a crash course on how to take in the point cloud to Revit, AutoCAD, how to trace lines, because we're not necessarily in the as-building business, but a lot of people need as-builds. So you're actually, they're taking the scan, they're tracing on top of it, and then they're actually uh, designing in Revit on top of the trace scan, right? Exactly. So the point cloud, literally the lines can just be traced, rather than the old school way of, yeah, using the laser pointer, tape measure, graph paper, and guessing on a lot of things. So. Yeah, it's an, it's an incredible process. So have you, have you gotten to see the new Pegasus backpack from Leica? I haven't personally got to see it. One of our partners is in Colorado right now. I can't remember if it's that or if he's going to get to see the new, I can't remember the name of the company, but it might be the Pegasus. But I'm, I'm not the guy in the field. So we've got our specialists that know how to do it, and they're the ones that get their hands on it. So For all our listeners, Pegasus Backpack from Leica is a reality capture system. That means you can put a very expensive backpack on and, and actually walk around, and it has auto-registration, so it tracks where you are. And, and uh, uh, 3D scans the entire building as you walk through it, which means you could have your intern do the scan. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for Cedar Mac, I'm sure, because of the price of those backpacks, they'll be cost prohibitive for a lot of companies to buy them. So you'll need a, a qualified professional. Um, who can actually go out and do those kind of scans for you. It just means that hopefully guys like Cedar Mac can, can, can scan a lot more square footage in a day. Yeah, well, and the other aspect is, I mean, just a, a word of warning, because we've seen in the past, we've been doing this for 10 years, we've seen contractors try to do this in-house. And we're not just saying it because we want the business, but it is a Herculean effort to, to train people how to do the scanning, to process the data, and we've seen a lot of companies that come to us basically just to have us use their equipment. So it's collecting dust because they didn't realize the magnitude of training people. They bought the big equipment, and they didn't necessarily know how much it would take to use it. That's why I recommend to all of our clients that they start out by contracting out scanning, and then they move into leasing and operating it themselves, and then they move into purchasing once they have enough volume to justify it. Because exactly. <clears throat> I've seen too many... Um, too many Leicas in the corner collecting dust. I've seen too many robotic total stations as well in, the, in a closet, and uh, we, you know they, you have to recognize that the, that it uh, it feels good to own something, but uh, it also feels better to actually properly deliver the product and use it. So I'm I'm excited to hear you guys. Uh, I agree with you, and I, I recognize uh, yeah. it's important. Yeah, well, it's it's painful for us for us to just see it sitting there. It's just absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unused equipment that's still functional is very painful for me to watch too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, any final words for our listeners? Any, uh, where can they find out more information about your company? Uh, the website is www.cedarmac.com. Awesome. Well, Chase, I really appreciate your time today, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. This is uh, James Benham and Rob McKinney. Rob, how's it going? 
having a great day hearing a lot of great technology, meeting a lot of new people. We're having a great time. Wait for this show to get all put together on Friday. Uh, awesome. So uh, today with us, we have George White from Pavia Systems. He's the CEO and co-founder of Pavia. Uh, George, how's it going? Hey, fantastic. Great to be here in Chicago today. Yeah, I agree. Man. The weather's pretty pretty good, and uh, Chicago's always a nice town as long as it's not uh, wintertime, right? That's right. But, uh, you know, coming from Seattle, we'll take whatever we get. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys uh, get destroyed on bad weather on a regular basis, don't you? So, uh, George, where are you uh, from? From Where are you born and raised? Uh, actually, from the Seattle area. So, you know, well accustomed to the, the weather and uh, whatnot, but uh, yeah, I've been out there for almost 40 years. So, Awesome. Awesome. Where'd you go to school? Uh, University of Washington. I mean, I'm really, we're, we're homegrown. Uh, you know, we love our, uh, in Seattle, we love a few things, our Seahawks, our coffee, uh, you know, and of course, enjoy the, the rain. You have to. If, yeah, if you, you have to. You have to embrace it. Yeah. You have to embrace the culture. So tell us about Pavia Systems. What do you guys do? So Pavia, at Pavia, we built uh, uh, purpose-built tools for inspectors to help uh, project owners manage risk uh, on their projects uh, by, by really allowing the project engineer to uh, have a real-time connection with what they're observing out on the job site and use that information as it comes in to uh, you know, make those critical decisions on both the quality of construction and then also on that, uh, the progress uh, that's being made. Awesome. And sorry, it's Pavia, so I need to correct that. It's uh, Pavia Systems. Uh, so who, who's a primary targeted customer? Uh, so right now we really focus on the heavy civil uh, so think roads, bridges, airports, uh, rail. Uh, so a lot of state and local governments, as well as some of the larger uh, design, build, uh, JV type of contractors. Awesome. So what gave you the idea to get into this? Uh, to, to be honest, uh, so I have a mechanical engineering background. And about 16 years ago, ended up going out on my very first uh, heavy civil job and was just shocked to see sort of the state of the art, quote unquote. And uh, uh, it was after seeing that, you know, ended up, hey, we, we got to be involved in this. And so uh, ended up actually doing research work for a number of years through the university, working with state and local governments and how we could incorporate technology. Um, and, and that's really, you know, seeing those guys out there with charcoal pencils, and then taking that back to the office and, and drawing control charts and doing statistical analysis, I'm like, are you kidding me? So, uh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, we joke sometimes it's the last rung of the technology adoption ladder here in construction, but uh, it, it's created a passion, you know, for me certainly and, and the folks we work with and, and how we kind of help elevate this industry and, and make it more efficient uh, for folks to, to, you know, to travel on the roads and that kind of thing. So how did you guys get started? What was the, what's the story? Uh, so basically we uh, had developed some technology at the University of Washington. Kind of the whole idea was how do we put information into people's hands out in the field and then give them the smarts to know what, what the heck to do with it. Uh, so we had worked, again, with several partners in state and local government to, to develop. It was basically some certification programs. And then at the time, this is like pre-smartphone uh, you know, some, some data consolidation tools. Uh, and so uh, once we started getting some traction out with users, spun out of the university, uh, commercialized uh, those technologies, and then uh, began offering it to folks, again, in that sort of horizontal construction space. Awesome. Sounds good. And how many employees do you guys have? So we've got 20 employees uh, now. We're, we're growing. We recently just 
uh, signed the state of California in, uh, so they're starting to work. So uh, we're now in Washington, Texas, California, and Minnesota. And kind of our, our approach is, you know, get the get the states involved, and then it, there's a whole ecosystem under them of locals and engineering firms that we're kind of helping bring along with them. Awesome. Sounds good. So just for our listeners, where can they find out more information about Pavia? So you can always visit our website. Uh, it's at www paviasystems.com and uh, that's spelled P-A-V-I-A systems.com Awesome. So George, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Rob, any closing comments? Stay tuned for more to come. Awesome. All right. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap on all the interviews. I mean, what a fantastic set of folks we got to talk with at the Built Worlds. That's at Built Worlds or BuiltWorlds.com CEO Tech Forum. Again, stay tuned for the Summit 2017 coming next year. And, of course, just follow any of the other events that they're, they're going to actually uh, publish. Thank you so much for joining us today for Episode 1.13 with all of our interviews with our guest Corey Davis from Capital Construction Solutions, Matt Abels from Built Worlds, Chase McWhorter from Cedar Mac, George White from Pavia Systems, Jeremy Foster with Note Vault, Doug Chambers from Field Blends on this very special Contact Trio podcast. Please join us next week for Episode 1.14. That's where we're going to talk with special guest Jonathan Whitney, the president of Celebri and member of the leadership team of the AGC BIM Forum. To learn more about apps, workflows, and hardware, please follow us on social media at jbknowledge.com. That's at jbknowledge. jamesbenham.com. That's at jamesmbenham. Rob McKinney at conappguru. That's conappguru.com. And Josh at bim to the bone. Thank you again for listening to the show. To listen to this show, go to the website at jbknowledge.com slash contacttrio. Stay tuned for more to come in 2016. This is the Contact Trio signing out.